Hi there, and welcome to the Click IQ Academy podcast. The Click IQ Academy is a learning and resources hub for recruiters, shaping the future and featuring insights from the sharpest minds in the industry. I'm Alan Walker, and in this episode, I talk to Gary Manning, formerly TA lead for King, think Candy Crush Saga, and now head of people at Touch Surgery. We talked about life as a recruiter in fast growing startups, what he's learned some of the challenges recruiters face in those environments, and his tips for those wanting to be successful startup recruiters and recruitment leaders. Hello, Gary. Great to have you here on the Click IQ Academy podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. And for the benefit of our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is you do? Yeah, sure. So um, I originally started in... uh agency before moving in-house like a lot of people um, for the last five and a half years I've been at King um, as the TA lead for London um, so my role is to manage a team of recruiters here to help us hire the best people that's been in London and also in the US if you haven't heard of King um, we make Candy Crush um, as one of our kind of main titles I guess that's our biggest franchise as well as things like Bubble Witch Saga and, and Farm Heroes. I'm guessing several hundred million people have probably heard of Candy Crush now. They at have, least. <laughs> yeah. So it's well into the hundreds of millions of monthly active users. It's uh, quite a phenomenon. It's incredible. I remember downloading it and then being hooked on it for, for months and having to delete it just so I could actually free up some time in my life. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit more about your new organisation and what it is they do. Sure. So... Um... I've just joined a company called Touch Surgery um, as head of people. Uh, They are a medical tech startup with a really interesting app to help train surgeons as well as provide sort of AR, VR training and also some some new products that uh, we're working on in in the US. So a big focus on recruitment and retention, learning and development and, you know, looking after the whole kind of people piece. So having um, having worked for one extremely fast-growing startup and having recently joined um, another one that no doubt, given what it is they're, they're working on, will also be one, um, what, are the, what are the unique people challenges you think that fast-growing startups face? Yeah, so I think, and it depends where you've come from. So if you've come from a big organisation, when you join a startup, you probably don't have some of the structure and processes in place. And there will be other people who are used to startups and there'll be other people who are used to big organizations. It's, it's trying to help make sure that people are all on the same page. So you might join somewhere and it's completely all hands to the pump. So you are literally rolling your sleeves up doing everything. Whereas before, you know, you might have had a nice process or another team to pick up stuff. So um, you may not have a HR team and you might get pulled in lots of different directions. I remember it um, King being involved in helping trying to edit some employment contracts, uh, which the legal team then had to to check. Um, we were doing direct sourcing, we were doing agency stuff. It was it was all it was all over, and you know we had a process in place, but not a really great one. Um, so it was exciting putting that in into place. Um, you didn't have HR people, so if you ask somebody who'd recently joined, you know who's the HR person, they probably point at. TA because they were the first point of contact um, and whilst that I guess is a challenge it's a great opportunity to be, I guess to be ambassadors for the company that you're working for because you are the first point of contact and you kind of help give HR um, a great relationship. Also in startups you know not everyone knows who you are um, and when I joined you know we knew that we had a fantastic opportunity for people to have a great career at King and to be part of something you know 
fantastic but people didn't know who we were so one of our challenges was trying to get the brand out there um, and letting people know who we were because if you're contacting you know really great candidates and great talent out there they might not know who you are so how are you going to get your message across really quickly really succinctly um, and being able to kind of help tell your story and bring great people on board excellent and um Clearly, the talent function, as I'll call it, because I, again, I understand that in startups, you, you're not just a recruiter sat at the desk filling vacancies all day. It's much broader than that. You're getting involved in things like onboarding mm. and talent management and probably even some, some L&D stuff. How, how can that talent function really support that, that fast growth that many startups are going yeah, through? Yeah, sure. I think when people have different definitions for onboarding and you know, in its in its broadest sense, onboarding starts from the first moment you hear about a company. It's not just you turning up on the first day. So I think being helped, being able to kind of help your future talent understand what the company is doing, what they're going through, what their career looks like is really important. And that's from your first, I guess, your first interaction. If someone sees a job on a website through to speaking to normally a recruiter, first of all, and then helping make sure that that candidate experience, again, another broad kind of term but making sure that their experience through the recruitment process is really positive so it, it you know it sounds quite simple but making sure that your interview process is really slick and it's fast you know if it's too clunky then you will lose people along the way and people will probably lose faith in you a little bit so you're you're helping with that overall onboarding, the overall candidate experience through providing a really great service um, from a TA point of view. But you're not the only one. You, you could be doing a great job, but your hiring managers, your interviewers aren't necessarily going along with it or they're busy. You know, you're in a startup, everyone's busy. They've got a day job to do. Your day job happens to be talent acquisition and, you know, and broader and talent management and, and training in some respects. Um, but you're helping them to hire great people and they'll always say oh i haven't got time because i'm doing my day job but their day job actually does include hiring people so i think you can support them by making their job as easy as possible by making sure that the process is nice and slick and that they can help hire great people but also make really good really good decisions so having a great process in place whilst i know process always sounds like a really boring word it's so key to being able to provide something that is consistent and equitable um and therefore you're you're helping the business find the best people but also make sure that they're not hiring the wrong people so making sure that you're you're providing a framework to them to be able to make the right decisions so that they avoid the false positives and the false negatives and these are some of the things i guess that we we learn five or so years ago in terms of having a really good process so it's not just here's a jd find me someone i'll meet them and hire them you know we want to make sure that all of the ta team are equipped um, to be able to set that we call them like projects so each recruitment head that we're trying to hire is like a project so make sure it's structured nicely make sure you've got a really good briefing and you're clear on your timelines and you're communicating to your stakeholders so in this case it's the business no, the recruit the uh, the interviewers. It's the hiring managers. It's also any stakeholders. So you might be reporting weekly to the the head of marketing, whilst um, their VP is also hiring, and the interviewers. But then you've got other stakeholders, which are your candidates, and they need to know what's what's going on. So having a really good structure in place helps that flow really nicely and it means that when you're the hiring manager you're taking care of them and the process um, and it's all nicely laid out and everyone gets a great experience and it then allows them to get on with their day job whatever it is 
Did you, when you were doing that and getting really kind of many multiple parts moving in various different directions, did you have technology to help you organise that? So, I mean, outside of the ATS? Well, including the ATS, I'm interested yeah. to know what, what platform you guys were sat on and whether if there was anything else that was integrated with it that helped you organise all of that. Yeah, both. So originally we had um, an ATS, which was great at um, organizing interviews. So that really held it together. But I always think, you know, like technology works hand in hand with an actual person. So there's only so much you can automate unless you automate everything. And then you're in a kind of a self-service model. And we were very much of the opinion that it should be really high quality, um, that you would have a high level of interaction support from the recruitment team. Um, and actually, in the early days, we we opted for a model where we had a lot of senior recruiters. And that is a job title here, but they were they were really experienced recruiters rather than having more junior people because you need people to kind of get stuff done. I think as you mature, you can flex that a little bit and and bring in some more junior talent and then bring people in that are then going to to learn and expand, which is fantastic. In terms of technology, it was mainly the ATS that we had. You know, we had a really nice career site that we'd we'd rolled out, but in terms of how we managed it we used um like the google suite so we would have uh spreadsheets and we could share those and we make little kind of project plans um but we also used to get together and figure out what we're going to do we we like the kind of agile process here um and to come up with the things i talked about earlier about you know how do we create a great process it was us the the ta team coming up with all the important things that we thought we should be doing and then prioritizing them and then they went into a backlog so then we said what are we going to work on first so when we put our process together it was let's make sure we've got a great kickoff in place and the the technology behind that was a a couple of whiteboards and a stack of post-it notes and just coming up with all the questions that you would want to ask in terms of your kind of initial briefing we we call it a kickoff and then putting it together and putting in a document that we could then share so that was i guess some technology behind it not super advanced but it was more the the process behind it and the structure to enable the recruiters to provide a really great process i'm I'm still yet to see a better piece of technology than a whiteboard and lots of post-it notes for planning stuff if i'm honest it's uh, (laughs) uh, just brings everything to life that kind of the analog approach to stuff sometimes just gets everybody more more ingrained in the process and the the creative element of it so i'm with you on that and um did you did you face much pushback from the business when it came to the the piece around interviewing and assessing so that structured approach and having a process uh, versus those that thought they were either awesome at interviewing or actually were so inexperienced that they didn't really know what good looked like and weren't willing to listen yes we we did get pushed back in some areas it was it was okay because in some respects where we said you know we put this kickoff in place the first person that i went through this new process with and i said to him look you know we i want to get the job description i want to go through it with you i've booked an hour he's like this won't take an hour i'll just brief you quickly we can get on with our job but we took actually about 45 minutes and i think what his feedback at the end of that was that was really good that was really thorough because i pushed him and i tested him and i questioned things and mm. he he really got to think about you know what the job was you know the the way i think about it is the job description is the job description and the cv you know is for the candidate but it's really when you take the briefing from the job description you fill in the blanks and you when you interview candidate you fill in the blanks from the, the cv so he he really found some some benefit in that um so that worked really well and the more we did the more people liked it the next thing that we wanted to put in place was after our our interviews, um, we wanted to put in um, what we call a wash-up. So the idea is all the interviewers get together 
and we sit around a table and we discuss, let's say there were three candidates, we discuss those three candidates. So we start with the first one and we say, you know, how good was she, any development areas, any concerns, and then we move on to the next one and the next one. Um, and initially there was some pushback because what would happen in the ATS was they'd provide their feedback because it would prompt them, say, put in your feedback. And if everyone came back and ticked the box which said higher, they'd question, well, why are you now telling us we have to give you our feedback again when I've already told you what the feedback is? Um, and there were certain locations that were more on board than others. But the reason we did it, it was about avoiding false positives and false negatives. So you could hire someone that everyone has said hire, but actually if one person said, you know, my only thing was was X, they didn't have this experience, then if everyone else said, no, actually, no, we talked about that, it's, they're, they're fine, you could you could say, okay, great, then that person is a hire. But if it uncovers something that is actually quite key, then you've avoided hiring someone that might not be right for the role. And I think that was really important for us to do that. Um, it didn't actually take too long for that, I guess, concept and process to... The grand scheme of things, if you think how important it is to hire the right person, mm. having an hour either end of that process for the, the kickoff and the wash-up... It's either neither here nor there, no, um, exactly. because actually it's, it's well worth it. And what, what, I, what I learned from that was whilst there was some initial pushback or reluctance in some cases to actually spend more time discussing something that people already found, people really enjoyed it because people naturally want to know that what their opinion is is shared by others. They want that kind of sense of, I guess, belonging and making a bit of kind of ratification that they are making the right decision and I remember one of the early ones I did um, I think it was for a HR person the HR director wasn't there um, it turned out she was going to dial in and I didn't realize but whilst we were waiting for her everyone just started talking about it and I couldn't stop them talking about it um, so it's really interesting to see how people really got on board with it and then people started asking for the washer when are we going to have the washer I want to be involved I want to hear the feedback and that's really important for us is to make sure that we we get all that feedback because it's Half is around the kind of capability of someone can do the job, but the other half is like whether they fit with our values and our culture because we have some sort of behavioural questions to to identify that. So it's about being able to make sure we can we can satisfy that, both those pieces. And um, I think that's also it's good from a from an onboarding perspective in a way as well. If you've got three or four people who have discussed the hire, um, have come to come to a conclusion that yep, this person is right, chances of that person landing in the business rather than it just being a, well, Barry says we've got to hire mm. them. Um, is that a little bit much higher? Yeah, there's, um, and there's a couple of really good points to that as well, is that um, from a structure to those meetings, we always make sure that the uh, most senior person or the, or the hiring manager goes last because it, it changes people's um, views. I did one once where someone really senior said, no, I'm saying no to both of them because of this and the more junior people then really didn't get an opportunity to say probably what they thought because they wouldn't have disagreed with him um, so I think that's really important but if you then go on to hire this person you can take all of that feedback and you give it back to the hiring manager and say look here's your your starter for your development plan this is what you need to kind of look out for this is where we think this person needs some support so you you set them up for success from day one likewise if the person isn't right you've got some really good feedback you can go back to that candidate um and i know you know recruiters don't always like giving bad feedback because they feel they think they have empathy and they feel bad for the person that they're saying no to them but giving someone some really constructive feedback and saying this is why we're saying and this is what i think would be useful for you going forward you actually get really positive feedback it's very rare that someone kind of throws it back in your face um that actually really kind of take that on board. So I think it, it works kind of all round, really. 
I used to, when I first started out in recruitment, I was terrified of giving that no message. But then I realized once I jumped over that hurdle and I started to give the no, but this is why, really objective, meaningful feedback that they can take away mm. and actually grow from, it suddenly became a pleasure to a certain extent because you knew you were you were helping somebody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I totally agree. So um, one of the biggest challenges that, well, a lot of businesses, but certainly particularly in the kind of startup space phase, is how do they how do they differentiate themselves from from the competition in terms of attraction, talent acquisition, etc. Um, what do you think is the kind of key to making yourself stand out against all the other startups that, although they might be doing slightly different things, they're often hiring similar type of people. Mm. Yeah, and, and you know, and at King we face the same challenges because whilst. I think we had a really good proposition. We had, you know, we had, once somebody took that first step into the journey of getting to meet us and coming to the office and see the amazing offices and the benefits that we have and meeting people and the kind of work, that became easy. But the hardest bit, even for us, was trying to get people through the door to speak to us. And and it doesn't matter kind of whether you're particularly well known or whether you're, um, a startup. I think everyone has that challenge because there is, you know, such a demand for great talent out there. Um, but I think you've got to. I think you need to know who you are first of all. You think you, you know, you, you should take a step back and say, kind of, who are we? Like, do we have company values? Can we, can we say who we are, and can we communicate to that uh, market? And can we tell people, you know, what what's our purpose if you have purpose and you have a way of doing that which i guess is your your kind of your values that how we do something i think that's really important so we do it you know via i guess advertising having a great website you know we've won a few awards and it's never about winning awards but i think when you you know you have brand agency helping you they'll enter you for a few awards which is (laughs) which is nice um but i think you need to i think i definitely think you need to know who you are because if you don't it becomes really difficult because if someone's asking you on the phone, you know, what, what do you do and what's it like working there? It's difficult to con- convey that message. I mean, it's not just, I guess, one person or, or a HR team just saying, well, this is what we stand for. You know, the whole company needs to believe it. So even behind the scenes, you've got to make sure that the rest of the company and the teams that are hiring know what are your values and what are the selling points of the company and the limitations. I think you should absolutely be truthful and honest with people around what you can do, what you can't do. You know, even when we're, you know, when we kick off a role, we, we always used to say like, what are the projects that are going to be involved with? And I remember one of our HR directors saying to me, look, Gary, I need to be really honest with you. This person's probably not going to do much project related. It's kind of BAU stuff. So let's not tell people that they're going to have that because the project stuff always sounds exciting, but you know, the main, the main point mm-hmm. of your role is to be there and to do that job. Um, so I think you should absolutely make sure that you're honest with people um know who you are be able to go out and tell people what you're doing and you're still going to be against some big companies but if people if if what you do and how you do it and who you are resonates with people you're true to that you have a nice slick interview process you you give you tell people what to expect um up front i think people have a great experience with you and they're more likely to want to kind of join your team than than another one so i i wouldn't necessarily tell people to worry about the fact that you are 
ABC startup and nobody knows who you are when you're up against, you know, the, the big names that everyone always worries about because they're, they're, they're having the same kind of challenges as well. You know, we um, last year, um, King went to a uh, data science festival and Facebook was there, you know, and I think if Facebook found it easy to hire, they wouldn't need to go to some of these things. So is everyone's, everyone has these challenges. Um, but I think you need to, like I said, you need to know who you are, know what you're doing. And I think that, you know, the rest should fall into place. And we talked there about employees joining a new business. Um, what about a very specific employee that we're we're quite close to? That first that first talent acquisition professional joining a startup, and they've been tasked with setting up a TA or even a talent mm. function from scratch. What are your top tips for somebody going into that kind of role? Yeah, so it's, especially if it's your your first time going into this role, I would I would go in with your eyes open. Um, and I would keep them open. And by that, I mean, if you are the only person in TA, you don't have probably a manager to ask for uh, for help. And, at, you know, at King, I had some really talented um, colleagues and peers and a manager. I could always bounce ideas off. And you might, you probably wouldn't have that if you're the sole person, you're the very first person there. So when I say keep your eyes open, that's, you know, go out and learn from people, go out to events and network. There's there's some really good ones out there that don't cost anything. So if you're strapped for cash, because I know a lot of time you may not have budget to do stuff, go out there and network and get on the forums um, and download the you know the the apps and the and the chat rooms that people are talking on. And so try and learn something new. And I've always tried to do that. You know, even recently at King, trying to figure out what the latest technology is and. Um, that was one of the reasons that I, I got to trial um, Click IQ and some other some other platforms. I was trying something new, and some of them could be really low cost. But I think you have to keep your eyes open and learn from your network and learn from your your peers. Um, like I said, you'll need to roll your sleeves up. You know, don't be precious about doing, you know, whatever it might be. You need to get stuff done. Um, I would try if you don't have values, try and put something together and get it approved and signed off just try and give your company a sense of identity and if you have that you can you can let that flow through what you do it can flow through your recruitment process it can be part of you providing say some interview training to the people internally and helping people understand like who you are what are your values um and making sure like from a from a kind of an early age that your company knows who they are and therefore you are trying to hire um people that share your values. I'm not talking about trying to create clones. Um, you're trying to find people that I think buy into what you're doing. Um, and that will really help because the more people that come in, they would have been through this process. They will share values. You will start to create a, a company culture in a, in a positive way. Um, and that needs to be maintained. And I think what the cultures like here and our values, apart from one value, just swapping out and coming back in again, maintains the same. And I, you know, I know who was, you know, responsible for putting that in kind of five and a half, six years ago. And it's you can still feel that um at at King if you walk through the if you were to walk through the doors. So I think it's important that you you get to know who you are and you help people understand that. Um the other thing like I mentioned earlier, I know it sounds not that exciting, but process is really is really important as well. If you can get yourself a process that works with your hiring managers and your interviewers, they know that once you hire someone, they've been through that. So they're already, I guess, an ambassador for that. So they would want people to go through the same 
the same process. Um, and you shouldn't have too much of a problem with people saying, we shouldn't do that because they've done it. And they will think, well, if I had to jump through those hoops and I go through that, then I would expect somebody else to do that because I'm setting the bar. And if I, if the bar set there, I would hope that everyone else has been through this and new people will go through this. So we should hire some some great people. Makes sense, absolutely. And I think that 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 process piece, the sooner you get that in, the better. Because if you leave it too late, people get used to a slightly chaotic way of doing things or doing things in their, their own little way that's special to them. And it gets harder and harder to actually put any kind of process in place. So I think you can win those battles early on, then it'll help you in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Listen, Gary, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Great to great to meet you to you. Great to get to know you. And um, thanks for your contribution to the Click IQ Academy podcast. And uh, I hope to see you soon. You're more than welcome. Hope to see you soon. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Big thanks to Gary for spending time to talk to me. And a big thanks to you for listening. Everything we've discussed today can be found at Academy clickiq.co.uk and any questions or feedback can be sent to hello at clickiq.co.uk